You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Buzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Hemlock Grove After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Hemlock Grove After Show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm digging these songs. Yeah. Bing is for doing. And here we are doing another amazing episode of Hemlock Grove for AfterBuzz TV. And we're doing Season 1, Episode 9, What Peter Can Live Without. I am your host, Chano, and I am joined by my three lovely lady co-hosts. Hi, everyone. I'm Marissa Serafini. Hey, guys. I'm Tiana Hobson. Hi, I'm JJ Jurgens. And man, have we got a show in store for you guys. We're going to be talking about Chasseur in Conflict, internally and externally as well. <laughs> You're dirty. <laughs> I did not mean it that way. But very well. Letha says she's in love. Peter wants to protect Letha. And Olivia is nicer to all, and we may have a very special guest calling in tonight, David Strayton, who is the director for tonight's episode. A little trivia before we begin. What Peter Can Live Without is originally called (laughs) (laughs) Peter's Hierarchy of Shit He Can Live Without, (laughs) which is damn hilarious, and I'm sure they made it PG for the Netflix (laughs) queue so that people, even though it's not a PG show. Not like PG-13. Yeah. Do they even say is it is it rated like M on there or is yeah, it? Yeah, it's rated mature. Oh, it's just rated mature. On okay. Netflix, it says M A. Oh, it says M A. Yeah, yeah, mature. Anyways, <laughs> this I thought this was a that was just a really funny little trivia thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, let's get talking about Chasseur being in conflict. Anyway, so um, Chasseur. The episode opens up with her, well, not exactly the episode opening up, but where yeah. she starts off in the episode is she's in the hotel, right? And she is clearly drunk. She slipped off the wagon, didn't she? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think she ever was on the wagon, really, because you saw in the earlier episode, she's drinking here and there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if she actually went cold turkey. And she's trying to get over her alcoholism, but she still has that problem. Yeah. I just felt like we were kindred spirits, though, because she had that big old bottle of Jack. And I was like, you know what? At least she's going hard. If you're going to go down that slippery slope, you might as well commit to it. And she committed. Yes, she did. Mm-hmm. When we were off air, Tiana, you, you mentioned that there was a lot of noise coming from the adjoining room. Yeah, there there was sex sounds coming from everywhere during this episode. Some, some of it you saw, some of it you just heard, but... There's sex Lots everywhere. Sex. <laughs> this was a very sexy episode, I must say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was funny because the second time I was watching this episode, I didn't have it turned up as much. So it sounded like pigeons cooing inside when they're in the house. <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Any, anyway, so she's 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 seriously in conflict this whole episode. She's she doesn't know what to do really. You know, she's she last time she was told by the bishop. 
your target is Peter Rumenchik and nobody else are you mm-hmm. to go after, pretty much. And she's having flashbacks about her first time getting baptized in the blood of the Dragon Order, right? Mm-hmm. And she... Uh, she ends up remembering more, and we get to see in her flashbacks that that's probably the bishop who's there, right? The one that's been talking to her. Did we even get his name yet? It just says bishop every time. Yeah, I'm trying to... I don't think we got the name, no. too, because I've been looking through the book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think it mentions his name there, either. But uh, th- this whole flashback, there was a lot of information in it. And there's this one particular line... Uh, uh, it, 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 I think I believe it's Latin. So excuse me, as if I, <laughs> if I might butcher this, but it's quam misericoris es dios prius et justus, which translates to "Oh, how merciful is God, faithful and just," oh. which is actually the saying in the actual Order of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. So that's their prayer. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like how you were able to check that out. That was on the caption? Yeah. That was. I was just like, okay, that's their, that's their thing they yeah. say. That's their, like, Boy Scout honor thing. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was so funny because in that scene, it, it really, because I'm a Star Wars kind of guy, like little nerd, but it reminded me of Emperor Palpatine brainwashing Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. Because he does this thing, and that, and mm-hmm. even the bishop's in shrouded in the hood, yeah. and he's like giving, you know, he's just like putting the stuff on him, and he's like, okay, now you are off the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. Um, it, it seems like an initiation into mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. order, but uh, there also there was a line about uh, she now has to bear and wear the sign or effigy of the dragon, and I looked yeah. it up. The or the symbol, the emblem of the Order of the Dragon is actually, it looks like the Ouroboros symbol. It's a dragon with its tail wrapped around the neck. Yeah, and so then in a circle. About, something about a cross on its backside and its blood. Dividing it. Yeah, dividing, dividing it. But at the same time being separate from it. Yeah, when she was describing that, I watched it like three times. I did too. And I thought, she, I was like, that sounds like Ouroboros. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. why is why is it a dragon this time? But I thought that I caught on to that, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what it meant mm-hmm. by it having like the similar symbols for each one. I think it's just the um, to show the audience that there is a great difference between the two. Like Order of the Dragon is very religious. This is on the path of God. This is the um, good side, and then Ouroboros is the evil side. It's a snake, it, and snake usually represents evil. So I think it's just the um, the contrast between each other uh, from good and evil. Yeah. And one other thing that she that happened in that room too was she got a phone call from Michael, mm-hmm. and then when she was flashing back, there happened to be a black man standing back there. Which so, is probably her yeah, brother so I was Michael. Like, is that her brother Michael? So he's a part of the order too. Maybe it's a runs in the family type yeah, of thing. Yeah, I think he got her into it. Yeah. But you know what's funny um, is that she they put they endowed her with that one charm, right? That Order of the Dragon charm. And she was actually not... She never wears that thing. She's always wearing the mm-hmm. St. Jude one, which mm-hmm. is what she mm-hmm. got from the the war- werewolf or whatever she killed, that creature in the mm-hmm. jail cell. So I wonder how the bishop would feel about that if he found out. Yeah, that's interesting. Because mm-hmm. she does wear the St. Jude emblem, even though the, um, the the saint that's usually referred to Order of the Dragon is St. George. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So fast forward a little bit. She ends up paying Destiny Rumenchik a visit. 
And do you think? Do you guys think that she really went there for intel on Peter? I think she started off as intel because we know Shasora. She goes to anyone, yeah. whoever is available, and tries to get uh, more in- intel on this investigation. But it ended up being something a lot more than she was expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when the episode first started and we first saw her there drunk, I was reminded of the first time we met her when she was in bed with the other girl that she was leaving. And I thought to myself in that scene, dang, Shasura really needs to get laid. and then fast forward and I was like oh my gosh this is about to happen right now but at the time I I think she did go there for intel at least she wasn't expecting maybe destiny sort of appeal to be so sexy Arousing, arousing. I was going to say. Yes. Well, and I think it became more about what she's searching for, you know, about herself and whatever, you know, questions. And I, I watched that scene over, I mean, not that part of it. <laughs> but I watched this episode like three times trying to put all this stuff together. And yeah, just, um, I think trying to figure out what, what she's, um, you know, she knows that she doesn't really agree with the Order of the Dragon because she doesn't really feel like Peter's the one that she's supposed to be going afterward, after, but she doesn't know why. And so I think she just has all this, this, conflict inside of herself. So I think once she was there and, and saw that she could see into her a little bit more, I think she kind of let her guard down and was like open for whatever um, Destiny might be able to tell her or you know inform her about. Yeah, and as we know, Destiny, she's supposed to be really connected with everything. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so interesting because this is the most vulnerable we've seen Chasser throughout mm-hmm. the whole season. And not only is she, is she a drunken mess, but she's very emotional, too. And mm-hmm. she's very conflicted about, hey, what do I need to do here? Like, I know what's right in my gut, but then her heart, well, maybe not so much heart, but mm-hmm. her brain and, like, her the everything that's... I guess, like, the ethics of her organization that she's in and, like, the, 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 the order, that, that order that came down from the bishop is what's really messing with her. And, she, she really, and, and from God, mm-hmm. too, because the bishop's supposed to be representing what God wants, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of people who are religious go through a conflict like this at some point where, you know, you have what, you know, your religion tells you to believe versus what you think is right and wrong and just the whole conflict of self-discovery so we're kind of taking the journey with her as she's debating the back and forth between what's right and wrong and what god's plan is or the bishop's plan is versus what she thinks is the right thing to do yeah and and another thing and i'm just speculating here but we know that she's a drunk she has uh, alcoholism but that i think maybe possibly that the reason why she's drinking is because that whole conflict of her strict religion might be against homosexuality, and she's conflicting with the idea that she is lesbian, even though her religion, she's very um, a religious person. She's and, very Catholic. Exactly. Yeah. And that might be a reason why she started drinking and why she's on this path, like she lost her path to God. I wonder if the bishop and her father know that she is a homosexual because they have said a couple things sometimes. You know what? Actually, in the, I think it was in the second episode when they introduced her, the the father, not necessarily the bishop, the the one that's you know giving her intel, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but the father who she likes. I forgot his name, but anyway, <laughs> she comes to him and she visits him and he's like, "Oh gosh, could you could you have even showered? I can smell it on you." Yeah. I thought he was talking about sex. <laughs> Not not drunkenness. Oh. I thought he was talking about like you know fluids and stuff all over her, like on her mouth or her face or whatever. Yeah. Like she just came from there, but 
we didn't know until you know we we didn't know that she was a drunk at that point. But that that particular line actually is that the priest says, "I can smell it in your pores." So I kind of understood that she was a drunk yeah, from yeah, there. Yeah. And then when Destiny uh, talks to her, she's like, "I can smell it on your breath." The minute you walked mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. True that. Mm. I wanted to talk about them a little bit more, but I also wanted to talk about uh, After Buzz's awesome project that our um, our CEOs uh, Maria Menounos and Kevin Undergaro put together, and that was the Adventures of Serial Buddies. And you guys at home—that's right, you at home—can help us out a bunch by pre-ordering the Adventures of Serial Buddies. It's a really funny comedy. Uh, I just found it on the iTunes Store today, and uh, I already pre-ordered it. Uh, it's, it's supposed to come out uh, the twenty tomorrow. Tomorrow, the twenty ninth is available. The twenty ninth, it's available. Uh, if uh, I, I watched it uh, a couple months ago, and it is seriously Dexter meets Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> freaking That's a perfect description. Yeah. Exactly. It's freaking hilarious, and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, my favorite character in there was uh, Gian Molina because he's he's a personal <laughs> friend of mine. He's a really funny guy, and it's just there's so many people that are in there. Christopher McDonald, mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd's in there. Kathy uh, Lee Gifford. Kathy Lee Gifford. Mm-hmm. Who else? We have Henry so many. Winkler. Um, Beth Bears. Announced. Yes, Henry narrates. Yeah. narrates. Beth yeah. Bears from Two Broke mm-hmm. Girls. And Maria Menounos. Of course. Yeah. Uh. Maria's in there. <laughs> and I think I saw Maria's father in there, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you pay real close attention, I think you see Phil Svedek mm-hmm. in there, too. A That's couple right. times. Yeah, I caught him in there a couple times. Couple I was like, times. wait, is that Phil? Yeah, so yeah. This, so pretty much like this. It's a really funny uh, film, and I, I think you guys should definitely download it. And it, it, you know, we need some help over here keeping the lights on because we we are pretty much like we're we're just giving you guys this awesome free content out here, uh, and you guys can help us out, pay it forward. You know, download that movie uh, instantly from iTunes or or Amazon, right, Marissa? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Uh, and then you can help us even more, you know, contribute to AfterBuzz and help us grow as an organization mm-hmm. and, like, a new media platform. Help us keep yeah. bringing you more shows. Yeah, and more interviews with special guests and yeah, inside exactly. this, yeah, behind-the-scenes action. That, that's right. And uh, we have some comments from some fans that I want to read out also. And don't forget, you guys can check us out for our podcast at Hem, uh, Hemlock Grove on iTunes. Just type in Hemlock Grove on there. Guess what? AfterBuzz TV's Hemlock Grove is the first one to come up. And... Uh, we have some comments here. One of them is on our YouTube channel. Uh, go Bears, Go Bulls said, Lori Fortier <laughs> is lovely. Thank you, Marissa, for your hard work. I think the recap makes the show more interesting. Happy face. Yeah. All right. Too. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it helps me a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Talking about it with everyone helps uh, me yeah. understand. And we have more guests coming. Yes, we do. Uh, I've got big, a full lineup. Big guests coming. Just saying. <laughs> That's right. So let's go ahead and let's talk about Chasseur a little bit more because I still wanted to talk about her. So um, it cuts back to Destiny and her still in bed and they're finishing up their business, right? Chasseur is getting dressed and Destiny just spouts out, okay, hey, you know that Peter's not the one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Chasseur's still in denial after having her like release of sexual tension. She's still like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to get back on this. I'm going to go kill him. What do you guys think of that? Uh, I don't know if I agree with the. Uh, I don't know if she's gonna go. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I think she's gung ho for Peter. I think she's still still um, conflicted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point, I thought she was still conflicted, but I mean, they they say so much in this scene without saying anything too, because they're both still dancing around it. Like Destiny does say, 
you know Peter's not who you're looking for, but she doesn't tell her who or what she is looking for. And I think that deep down, Shasur knows who that person is. She just isn't willing to come to terms with it yet. But I still don't know who it is. Yeah, yeah the question is yeah. to us as the audience, who the hell is the Vargolf yeah. or whatever yeah. this person is that's killing? Like, just say what you mean. Mean what you say. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. right? And this that's what I enjoy about the show. The whole thing is like a mystery. There's no... Uh, there's no dramatic ironies anywhere. They're not letting us see what's going on on the other side. They're just keeping it so ambiguous <laughs> that we just have to be there until the end. Yeah, JJ? Speaking of ambiguous, this was something that was bugging me about the episode, and Marissa might be able to tell me if I just... But they also talked about when Chaucer was getting initiated, yep. that about the thing coming through the back, like, um, mm-hmm. with with their... When they were talking about their dragon and their thing that like something comes out of an opening of the back and goes out. But I remember seeing Olivia has that scar on her back that yeah. Norman like put his hands up and down. So then I was like, wait a second. So I, I was like, does that have anything to do with? There is another line during that a whole anointing initiation scene that um, they say the beast is the devil appearing as a radiant being claiming to be God. Yeah. If you remember in episode two, the angel. When Norman is talking to Olivia about Letha being pregnant, he says the line, um, were you and that walking God complex in any way involved with, with Letha's pregnancy? And he was talking about Roman. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, maybe Peter's not the one that Chessor is looking for. It might be Roman. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what, too? There, it's It's really very ambiguous still because... What this thing that could look like a god on Earth? It doesn't doesn't have to be male. Does it have to be a guy? Mm-hmm. Could it be a female too? That's well, that's true. why I thought maybe it was Olivia because I was like, well, maybe it's her. She's walking as God, and that she had that scar on her back, so maybe the stuff comes out of her, you know, her back, and then <laughs> radiant being. Yeah, it could be animal. She's always dressed <laughs> yeah. in white. Yeah, yep. you know, is. pure. Like you always see God dressed in white in all the photos. Mm-hmm. Photos. Mm-hmm. All the portraits. <laughs> 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 Everything took, on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instagram, Instagram photos of God. He's got an account. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we should do that sometime. <laughs> Let's let's check out to see if God has an Instagram. <laughs> you should. No, but uh, did you guys see how much she ended up paying Destiny when Chasseur left? A lot. Yeah. I didn't count it. I counted. Oh, how much oh. was it? 200 bucks. That's it? That's not that much. Hey, come on. In Hemlock Grove, this I town's mean, going under. I guess. It's in the state of depression. <laughs> I guess Destiny didn't really give her a bill either. It was just more of like, yeah. pay, it, pay it what you feel is correct amount so yeah. Yeah. But did that I, include tip <laughs> maybe not. i think it's all tip <laughs> I, well i don't think she was expecting it but i, I did actually the interesting thing about this whole destiny chasseur scene is that this is not in the book oh. this whole scene so when i first watched it i was like oh what's going on i don't remember reading this so i this was literally written for the screen but i think it actually enhances chasseur's character her backstory her whole internal struggle and i think when because you see how chasseur just opens up you know, almost mm-hmm. immediately to mm-hmm. um destiny once she said that there's no there are no judgments here even though Chasseur's religion is, sounds like it's pretty judgmental. Mm-hmm. And then once you find that there's no judgment, she just opens up. And I kind of felt that this was kind of like confession, the sacrament of reconciliation, like the, saying all your um, your sins in one mm-hmm. and confessing that. So I, I liked this scene. It, it was really good for Chasseur. Yeah. Looks like we have a guest caller on the line. 
Hello, caller. You're with uh, AfterBuzz TV's Hemlock Grove podcast. Hello. Call. Oh, hey, this is uh, David Strayton calling. Oh, hi, David. Hey. How's it going? Thank you so much oh. for joining us this evening. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm calling early. You guys said 745. Oh, no, that's totally fine. fine. No, no, it's 745. I think it's about oh. 745 right now. It's like 740. Yeah. I figured I'd be waiting on hold or something. So. <laughs> no worries. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a couple of... We have, everybody has some questions to ask you here. Uh-oh. So. Okay. <laughs> keep, keep, I want you to keep in mind one thing. Yes. We make these shows almost six months ago, so <laughs> you, you got to go gentle on us because I do a show and then I went off to do Grimm and then Bates Motel and then I went. To, so I think I've got like four or five different shows in my head right now. So okay. be careful. I'm a product of the 80s. Yeah, no worries. We'll I, take it easy on you. Yeah. We hey, love- by the way, guys, I want to say I'm really blown away by your shows. Fantastic. Aww. Wow, thank I'm you. really, really impressed with what you guys are doing. It's really, really wonderful to see people talking about the shows in a smart, thorough, intellectual way. And I'll be honest with you, you guys are talking about tonight's, ep- or tonight's episode, episode nine. I'm like, damn, I didn't know that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. thank you so and much. And I'm sorry I couldn't join you. My, my, uh, hard to get a babysitter at last minute. So. Oh, I believe we understand. Oh, oh no worries. So you talked about a little bit about what you're working on or what you have worked on recently. Uh, tell us about your background, David. Like, what, what's the other stuff that you've been known for, and uh, what, what kind of other shows have you directed other than the ones you mentioned? I, uh, I started as a commercial director. Um, and I was also probably the worst music video director in the world, and I did a lot of music videos. And uh, but uh, found my love in dramatic television, one hour, and uh, you know probably the show I worked on the most and learned the most on was a little medical show called House, <laughs> which you may have heard of. Yes, yes. <laughs> amazing show. It's like Sherlock Holmes as as a straight up doctor. I love it. Yeah, it was, uh, and it was to me that was for me, front row to the best acting school in the world, I thought. So that was kind of really where I became, I think, where I really learned to become a director. Okay, I'm kind of a geek on this one, but I saw that you also directed some episodes of Knight Rider. <laughs> Can you talk to us about that? Well, let's, let, let's, be, let's be accurate here. Episode. Okay, episode. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, you know, every once in a while you'll get a call and you'll say, uh, you'll maybe not be super excited about doing that, <laughs> but you know what? I'll be honest with you. you sometimes this job you don't think is going to be, uh, what you think it's going to be actually turned out to be a lot of fun. Was it the highest form of, uh, highest form of art? I would say, <laughs> I, you know, we have a talking car and the thing is you have real talking cars in the world. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty awesome, though. Thank you for looking that up. <laughs> uh, we actually, um, let's see, how uh, we wanted to know how you were initially approached to direct Hemlock Grove for Netflix. Well, the uh, I I the, the, I would say one of the uh, uh, one of the ways Hollywood works, in my opinion, is it's really not a meritocracy, but it's what. I like to call a friendatocracy. So my friend who was the director producer on the series, the very talented Darren Serafian, who I'm sure you've spoken to or will be speaking to, was the director producer on Hemlock. I'd worked with Darren on another show called House. He was the directing producer on that show for many years, and he was also the directing producer on a shortly-lived 
comic book series called The Cape for NBC. So uh, he asked me if I would come to Toronto and do this crazy show called Hemlock. And whenever Darren calls, I say, absolutely. <laughs> and that was, you know, a really, really great experience. Hemlock was an eye-opener. Sort of like working on House, actually. Good. And there's silence. Oh, no, no, we lost. We started talking at the same time. Did I, did I bore you? I can't watch. I bore you guys. No, we, we about all started asking questions at the same time. And then we stopped because we didn't want to talk over each other. Um, so you say it was an eye-opener. Also, can you, were there some, sort of, um, some types of challenges that you didn't expect going into this that maybe came up? Or, or how was the experience? Well... A lot of times when we work on a TV series, we'll do just one, we'll prep and do one episode. But Hemlock, we did two. So I did, I did uh, episode eight, the one, last, the, the one you guys spoke about last day, and then episode nine. And I don't know why I'm blanking on the title of episode eight. Tabby. But it was, the, it, was the, it was the dream sequence one where we went into the tunnels. Okay. So we, the, the challenge, the, the, the production challenge is that we did two of them together. So you prep for a lot of days, 15, 16 days, and then you shoot for 15 or 16 days. So it's a really, and then everything's like epi, the, the episode we're talking about tonight and episode eight, those two we shot together. So you're skipping back and forth between episodes. So it's really kind of a juggling act. So that's a real challenge. But more important, because it's Netflix and not network television, it's an hour. You're basically shooting 50-some-odd minutes of, of, of story without the same structure of network television. So it's really you're part of a 13-hour movie versus a 45-minute one hour. So the structure of how the story is told, it's just, it's just story beginning to end without the sort of traditional the teaser and then the act breaks. So that kind of narrative, which we're used to in network. So it's really eye-opener. And plus, that's a really, Hemlock was a big canvas. You know, big sets, big scenery, big things to do. Action, blood, sex, um, all pretty, uh, pretty, pretty exciting. And then we shot it with that, that, that template, that really cool, what I call the Hemlock template, which, you know, Darren, Darren established. So it was... Uh, that that was uh, that was really fun to work with. So that changed my game in terms of directing. You work on something like that, you're like, wow, it's pretty exciting and really crazy stories. <laughs> Who has been yeah. your favorite character on the show? I can't. I can't. Like all my children, I can never <laughs> reveal my favorite. <laughs> awesome. okay. um, oh, go ahead, Marissa. Um, the. the- Hello, David. <laughs> again. Um, the episodes that you directed, there are a lot of scenes that didn't really happen in the book but happened in these episodes. What was it like developing these new scenes just for the screen, and what was the production aspect of it? Did you have to change a lot of things because they were new um, content to the storyline, or what was that process like? Well, like any adaptation from book to screen, there's going to be new liberties taken by the writers. Brian was willing to deviate from his own book. Um, Mark Verheiden, who I'm sure you all know from you know his you know very very uh, you know lengthy career, they they new layers needed to be added to it to make it like to make it better filmed filmed narrative versus what may work in a book. And I think that's true for just about any translation. I, I always call when a 
when a when a when a when, when something jumps from page to screen, it becomes a species jumper. It, it it morphs into a new thing. So you have to come up with new narratives to keep it visually exciting. And sometimes what works on the page in a book doesn't work on screen or you want to add new layers. So there was always new things being injected. Although I do have to say both the graphic novel and the book and the TV are pretty closely linked compared to many other adaptations. I feel, yeah. well, I can't see the reaction, so I'll just keep talking. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you said you didn't have, uh, well, you can't did, did say. I, did I answer the question, or is that, did I just go um, no, 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 <laughs> So, David, you said you didn't have, or you couldn't say your favorite character. What about a favorite episode? Can you give us that? Um, you know, I... I mean, all the episodes, first of all, because I feel like it's a a lot of shows, the directors come and go, and a lot of the episodes look the same, and I think the directors brought, every director brought a different sensibility to their storytelling. We're really, you know, and break, uh, what's the term I'm looking for, when, you, you know, going through the jungle for the first time, I mean, I think everyone was kind of bushwhacking for the first time. Trying to, you know, looking for the voice of the show and each bringing their own version of it. And I, I mean, I love David Semmel's episodes. I love Darren Serafian's episode. I love episode two. And, uh, you know, and there's bits and pieces of the shows that, that, that we're talking about tonight that I, that I like too. I mean, they're all, you know, they're all very interesting. <laughs> they're all pretty exciting. I love when we first reveal, um, uh, uh, I, I always called him by their real names, Landon, when he becomes the werewolf. I love that yes. that re- revelation is to me like one of the fan- most fantastic moments in television. Mm-hmm. I just love the way that was filmed. So you'll have to remind me Landon's character's name because I just know them by the real <laughs> Peter. Yeah. Peter. Thank you. Peter the wolf. <laughs> That's so embarrassing that I... But, uh, because I always, think I, I always refer to them in their real... Anyway, Um, I wanted to know because the show has been compared to you know True Blood and Twilight. Those are the two things that always come to out of people's mouths when they talk about Hemlock Grove with werewolves. Um, What do you think it is about this show that makes it stand out from other werewolf type of shows like that? Uh, The two shows you wrote, True Blood and Twilight. I never heard of them. <laughs> the only show that matters is M. Black Girl. Good yes. answer. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> never. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up with the next couple of questions. Uh, what other? Thank, thank God, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. Stick okay, in there. Okay, because if I if I'm a radiance killer, if there's such a thing. Oh no! <laughs> no, you're awesome. <laughs> where, where, rarely do they want to hear from the director, but. Oh no! Of no, course I, I, yeah, yeah. Being a film major, I love the uh, behind-the-scenes aspects to anything in filmmaking. So that's just me being a nerd. Well, though, and especially what you touched on, we've all been just amazed how it doesn't look like any other like network mm-hmm. drama. We love that it does feel like an independent film that, it, like you said, is broken up into thirteen episodes, and it, that this, I don't know, just the scope of everything is just kind of blown us away in here. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I say, like, and 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 I'm glad you guys are paying some attention to it because it's really exciting to to be part of part of something that's fresh. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you're all feeling the same way I am. When we were making the show, all I could say was, 
I don't, this is like the coolest, strangest thing that I'm going to need three years of therapy after we're done <laughs> because it's so, it's so out there. And yet it was so beautiful too to make. I mean, great locations. I mean, awesome cast, beautiful cinematography. Uh, uh, I believe in one episode, Fernando, our cinematographer, actually, if you look carefully in the background, here's my trivia. You will see a crazy prey patient dressed in white at the, at the, the, uh, the the hospital and that is in fact Fernando shaking in the background. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, he he looked like a crazy man by the time we were done. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely He's by the way the other genius who makes the show look awesome. So excellent. So um, while you're recovering from the beauty and horror that is Hemlock Grove, <laughs> what other projects are you working on uh, right now and uh, in the near future? I am off to do two shows back-to-back, an AMC series called Hell on Wheels, which is a big departure from some of the things I've been doing lately. And then I'm doing episode one of the new, not the pilot, of course, but the the episode, the first episode to go into production for the uh, Joss Whedon's um, Agent Shield. (gasps) (laughs) I just got really excited. (laughs) We are getting excited over here. (laughs) So that's put no that's and by the way that's I'm I'm as excited as you guys are. It's really <laughs> it's really a privilege and an honor to work in that sh- in that world. I mean I I mean I work I you know I became friends with Joss on Dollhouse. So mm-hmm. that relationship wow. has has continued and I I mean what you know what can you say? It's Joss Whedon. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Joss Whedon. Yeah. And I'm actually yeah. a I'm actually a big fan of the Hell on Wheels show. So um I'll uh, I'm going to continue to watch that as it's going into season three. Cool. Well, great. Um, I, I, I have another question. Because there are a, a few directors on Hemlock Grove that interchange um, throughout the whole season. Uh, when working with fairly newcomers, uh, actors, do you have to take things slower with the whole change of directors every single episode? Or do, do the cast adapt quickly? I think there's a few days where you can see the cast, especially when you go to work on a show that they haven't, that you haven't worked on. I know when I drop in to say, when I did my first episode, I say Grim, you know, you look at the cast and they're sort of looking at you and they're sort of like, is this guy, is he ready? Is he good? Is he slow? Is he fast? You can see them sizing you up. And so there's definitely a transition period. And, and the crew are looking, too. The crew are looking at the director going, is this guy going to keep us here till 3 in the morning? Does he have a plan? Does he seem prepared? And I think that that's where there is a sort of transition. And then sort of day two of an eight-day schedule, you can see the rhythm starting. And, of course, when you're returning to a show, there's that. It happens a little more seamlessly, I think. Now, you only directed two episodes. Were you in Toronto for more than those two episodes? Did you have more creative input on the side that we didn't see? We had a lot of input on that show. I feel in terms of post-production, we were invited back for, of course, all the editorial process, but also in terms of looking at the visual effects and seeing you know, early frames of what those would look like, although a lot of the stuff was under wraps, too and they didn't want to send things over the Internet. Um, but we had designed, I, for example, almost all of the Vargolf stuff I had storyboarded, and we had pretty good ideas of what the Vargolf... Um, there was a movie called Attack the Block, 
which you may have know, hopefully you do. <laughs> but the creature was sort of inspired, at least one of my inputs was to sort of go with that sort of dark, dark, almost negative black feel of the far gulf at least in early concepts and then you know the glowing eyes the way they did that in attack the block so yeah i mean we had a lot of input we also played with a mechanical wolf we had that was not very good i called it stuffy <laughs> <laughs> so there was lots of sort of creative input onto how we were going to you know how we wanted to do it and then it's always a discussion it's not like this is what i want it's like they have a vision, you know, Brian has a vision, and then, you know, Darren had a vision, and, we're, and, and, and Mark Verheiden had a vision. So we're always talking back and forth about this thing. And so I introduced my ideas back, and people are like, hey, that seems kind of cool, and then we storyboarded. And then, you know, a few months later, you see the darn thing digitally put together. <laughs> so, but um, on lots of shows, we do Grimm in the same way. We're really involved with that. I go back and forth to the digital production the post facilities to look at stuff they send you things they're pretty you're, you're allowed to play in that world so one more question before we let you go i was looking at the end of the credits at the, almost the very end and i noticed that it said ouroboros productions llc <laughs> so it isn't <laughs> that, that is, is that like i tried to do some research on it i couldn't find anything about it so is that your guys's production company that you used over there well when they make a when they when they when a show gets up and running and you're almost you're asking the wrong guys, but I'm gonna answer the question because <laughs> I should just give it a try anyway. But really when you answer <laughs> when you whenever they ask whenever they set up a production entity, it's really a company they set up for the production. And that's really the the uh, the title that they would that, that's just the, the operating title for the limit the LLC the limited liability company for when they're making it this kind of takes the magic away when I explain all this <laughs> so, so like ah, whatever but that's actually they just I think they, they were looking for a name and um, you know what I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. Because you know what the name was? Back when we were shooting the show, it was actually called Lock Hem Productions. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they said, it's Hemlock Backwards. Oh. So I don't know what, or, or, uh, what did you say the name was? It was the... Uh, Ouroboros. Or, Ouroboros. Which has a lot of... I kept, I kept calling it the Aurora Borealis when we were shooting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are up there in, in, in Toronto, in Canada, so you... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> no, but, but I, I don't remember... Uh, I don't... Yeah, because it was called Lockham. I think our, the check we got said Lockham on it. I'm like, what's that? Anyway. Oh, that's fascinating. So it's just, it's just like they just randomly chose it in a way. They, oh, it has something to do with the show. Let's just choose this as a production name. <laughs> those, I think those are later, later. I'm sorry I can't answer that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so um, we want to say thank you so much, David, for, for joining us for this quick interview um, at AfterBuzz TV's uh, Hemlock Grove podcast. But uh, we also wanted to ask before we let you go, uh, what social media platform do you prefer to use and where can our fans at AfterBuzz TV follow you? Uh, I'm gonna have to say uh, it's uh, what, what's, the, what's the word I um, oh I can't remember what it's called uh, my 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 face space my space <laughs> <laughs> no I you know I'm I'm kind of getting back on the Twitter bandwagon I was off it for a while and then I'm back on it again so and uh, you can find me at at Stray Dog LA at Stray Stray Dog LA at Stray at Stray Dog LA okay. 
Very good. Well, or, or you can find me on, on MySpace, which I still have. My, what do you think of that MySpace? It's on fire right now. <laughs> They've got some big music things coming up on MySpace. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like America Online. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> yes. None of you guys remember America Online. Oh, I you guys do. Are all like, you guys are all like 20 years old. <laughs> but more important, you guys are doing a really cool job, and I'm super impressed with what you guys and great guests. Not me, but well, maybe if you have really impressive. Well, maybe if you have some free time, you know, towards the end of uh, of uh, our uh, a podcast when we we're nearing the last episodes, if we have some free time, we'd love to fit you in, David. Okay, I would happily come back in a heartbeat. It really was because I couldn't get a babysitter tonight. So, otherwise, I'd be over in the, over the hill there with you guys. So, yeah, no worries. Thank yeah. you so much yeah, for calling. Thank you for calling. Thanks yeah, a lot, David. We really appreciate it. No worries, guys. Thanks so much. Congratulations, and thanks for uh, doing a great job on following Hemlock, too. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, awesome. Thank you for doing an amazing job on Hemlock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so let's get back into talking about, oh, let's see, Letha says she's in love. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let me first say, that was awesome. Yeah. I'm so yeah, glad yeah, that, that was awesome. David was able to join us. Um, uh, yes. Again, uh, thank you so much, David, for joining yeah. us. Um, mm-hmm. But now let's talk about Letha. So Letha, she says she's in love with Peter to her father. Wow, how, how mm-hmm. much of a shocker is that? That was really fast. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking yeah. that was fast. She's a high school girl. I know. She sleeps it. with him once, and then, oh, you're in love. Yeah. So and, it was, and then the awkward conversation with the dad about sex. <laughs> that was funny. That Which was happens really funny. in the book, too, so it's actually <laughs> that comedic. It really does happen. Well, it was actually, it, it was really funny. And just the way, and he just came from having an affair, right? He just came from doing Olivia back to his house. He probably, he probably has her s'more, uh, s'more, her smell <laughs> coming out of his pores, right? He ate her s'more, up, yeah. you're trying to say. And I, and I love that he, he starts the conversation by saying, like, we're family, we don't keep secrets from each other. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's just walked in the room and changed his password on his yeah. phone yeah. so that his mm-hmm. wife won't go snoop it on him and find out. It's like, totally. okay, hey, pot, here's the kettle, it's black. <laughs> that was yeah. That oh. was a really funny scene. So much mm-hmm. hypocrisy in there, but at the same time, uh, there were some interesting things in there too that they threw in. Like right when they come back to the house, right? He he leaves Olivia. She's like reaching down and she's like smudging, like probably yeah. a stain from the coffee table, and then it goes <laughs> to the kitchen in Norman's house, and Marie, his wife, is smudging something off of the the bar but we don't know where the Ouroboros stain was though what do you guys think it was I thought that they because didn't they cut back to it at the end of the scene when she went back to it and she ended up erasing the rest of it no it didn't no it didn't show it up close it only showed it from like a very low angle and you couldn't see what she was really smudging out. JJ, were you going to say no, well, something? I'm sorry, I missed your question. What You were asking where... Where do you think the Ouroboros stain actually was? Because it shows it, and it... Okay, I thought that Olivia was maybe removing a coaster stain in her place, 
in the Godfrey house. I thought mentioned. Marie was wiping it off yeah, I in think, the kitchen. Okay, I think it would make sense that Marie was yeah. wiping it off more. But it made me flash back to earlier on. Didn't you say before when Roman was getting interviewed by Chasseur? Like, yes. um, and you said, yeah. the ring looks, you're like, maybe I'm just seeing things now. But I remember you saying that in our earlier podcast, and I thought it was interesting now that we see that in Marie's house, Marie wiping it off. Like, yeah. Oh. So who put it there? How, or do you think it just was like an accidental like act of God yeah. coaster stain that it's looked like Ouroboros? the way that the water tends to form that ring and then it forms in that shape. And it but fo- why and it is my to, question. To look and, yeah. like a snake yeah. eating yeah. its tail. I think it's such a, just a predominant theme throughout this whole show is that Ouroboros is, is this mysterious project that we don't have any idea what it is, but it's still relevant for everyone. You know what I actually mm-hmm. would hate just coming to mind right now, I would actually hate if we never found out what Ouroboros was. <laughs> that would suck, you know, because they use that in a in a lot of fiction, um, or just a lot of novels, media in general, yeah. mostly fiction. But I, the only thing I'm reminded of right now is Mission Impossible Three, where they're chasing this thing called a rabbit's foot, and it's some kind of thing they don't know what it is, but everybody's chasing it, and then they never reveal what the hell it is. <laughs> oh, that's frustrating. Yeah, it's, just, it's like a tool that the writers use. It strings the audience along. Yeah. yeah, to string along the audience and motivate the characters, but then you never find out what yeah. the hell it is. And that would suck if this yeah, turned really out would, that yeah. way. <laughs> now that it you brought that, because I never had a doubt that I wasn't going to find yeah. out about it, but now that you bring that up and Marissa's face of like... I'm not going to tell. I'm really scared now. So thank you for ruining this for me, Sean. (laughs) Just something to think about. I'll just say you'll find out more about it, about Project Ouroboros. You are such a tease, Marissa. You're speaking like destiny. Yeah. Say what you mean yeah. and mean what you say. <laughs> I gotta be cryptic here. You know, I can't ruin it for you. What's the fun? What's the fun? Yeah, so uh, additionally, right in the beginning, it just shows so much of uh, Letha having sex with, with Peter. and it's, It was a very... Mm-hmm. She's very Graphic. experienced now. She went from being a virgin to being very experienced and knowing exactly what she wants and how she mm-hmm. wants it. That's what I put down. I was like, she knows what she's doing. I was like, <laughs> yeah. homegirl found some new tricks. <laughs> well, it's, it's very natural. Us humans, we got it ingrained in our DNA. Yeah. And I that she's already pregnant, too. You know, that, yeah. that one kept hitting me, too. I'm yeah. like, and she's pregnant. And she's like the <laughs> cutest pregnant person ever because she's still so tiny and that little yeah. bump is so cute. But what's in there? I don't know. I keep expecting her to lift up her belly and, like, the form of, like, claws, like, oh. start coming out of her stomach or something. Well, no? if I were Peter, I don't think I would be poking anything where that baby, <laughs> that baby is, just in case, but <laughs> sorry. How weird, <laughs> in, in that scene, though, how weird was it when she, when she... She asks Peter, oh, tell me a gypsy story. And he ends up telling her that long story Mm -hmm. about him seeing a fairy and capturing it in a jar and stuff. What do you guys think that story symbolized? Okay, the thing is that that story happens in the book. So, yes, they stayed true to that storyline. But there was a line during that whole thing that um, the fairy that um, Nikolai caught was lying around the porch with the moss. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to like the second and third episode, we know that R- Roman is this emperor moth. If you think about mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I think this storyline just says that Upiers and Gypsies have mingled together before in the past. 
Okay. I was, oh, go I, ahead. Well, I, I, I took a little bit of it as, like, you know, being trapped in a jar and being watched and followed. Like, you can't live your life under a microscope because he says you can't live like that. And I was mm-hmm. like, he kind of has to live. He's living his life in Hemlock under a microscope because everyone thinks that he's a werewolf, which he is. But they also think that he's the killer of all these girls. So that's the other way that I took it. I forgot about the emperor moth thing that's exactly what i, I wrote down the same line yeah. as you when he said no one can live like that and it's trapped and then there's like a big boom after he said that line and I, that's how i interpreted it too but yeah i was thinking like what what if he gets because he says at the end of this episode that he might get caught right mm-hmm. what if he ends up being in jail and or worse being in the godfrey institute being experimented on by dr price what what happens if all that happens and he ends up being like that, like that fairy trapped in the jar mm-hmm. and he's just going to have a really crappy life and uh, who knows how yeah. it's going to turn out. But interesting Shame. metaphors with that story. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see if it proves to be relevant later. But who knows? It just throws so many damn things at us in, <laughs> in this show. We don't know what's important and what's not. Yeah. Right? Like, I think right. everything's important in this yeah. show. It's, it's too much is important. Like the crypt or like that crazy dinner that happened. <laughs> yes. You know, with Marie being like, Godfrey's always get what they want. It reminded me of, I don't know if anyone watches Game of Thrones, but, you know, Lannister always pays his debts. Like that line just kind of, you know, a Godfrey mm-hmm. always gets what they want kind of seemed like did she want to marry him is Mm. she there willingly or yeah that's the interesting thing because yes she says that but in the book there's this line that she she was she's still in love with him she's she'll never fall out of love with norman which i think is the reason why she is still staying there she is still there even though norman's sleeping around with Mm -hmm. olivia that's Mm -hmm. the reason why she's still around that she is truly in love with norman uh, during that dinner, I thought it was so awkward, but but funny. And then it you know took, obviously took a bad turn when they started talking about the whole the the Godfrey's always get the, what they want. And what did he end up saying? What did Norman say that ended up setting her off to where the point uh, to the point where Marie just like said excuse me and got up. He said he said something. I can't remember the line. Yeah, I can't remember the line either. Yeah, I don't have that one here. Either. But he ends up he, she ends up going to the room, which was pretty funny. And and well, actually no, that wasn't the funny part. The funny part was that he stayed, and I thought he was gonna go, <laughs> but he ends up getting the bottle and pouring him and Peter a drink. That was. It's like, man, I wish my yeah. friend's parents had poured me drinks yeah. at dinner. Right? <laughs> in was, high school. Yeah, that was like, pretty Like, he's neat. underage. <laughs> he also had, Norman had such a devious look at the, yeah. in the kitchen. When he was, was washing the dishes. Yeah. I yeah. saw that. And I went back. He, I mean, there was a lot of glasses up there. But he only grabbed, like, him and Peter's glasses. I don't know if they're, I could really be reading way too much into, like, whose glasses he picked up. But it kind of made me feel like maybe he purposely had Peter drink out of a cup mm-hmm. and was trying to do something. But then that devious look, I was like, I don't, can't tell if he's thinking about sex with Olivia or, like, he got away with something, like, pissing off his wife. Yeah. Or he was the- just trying to get answers from yeah. Peter, like, try to get him drunk and he can open up. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I, also, I only had one other thing to throw in with the whole, with Marie and Olivia, because they had the interesting oh. conversation with the, with the car. Yes. And um, Olivia says to Marie, like, good luck with the rattle. And I didn't know if anybody, mm-hmm. I, I, for me, I was thinking maybe she's referring to, like, the 
Olivia's kind of like the rattle for Marie. Like, she's constantly in her marriage and in her relationship, like, causing problems in there. And it's like this constant annoyance. Wow. But you know what that's that. a- JJ, that's actually it's super insightful tough. because I was thinking about that whole scene and the situation that they're in. And I wrote down a bunch of stuff saying, like, oh, okay, like, they, they're both, like, being really, like, having facades with each mm-hmm. other right in that scene. And obviously, Olivia has the upper hand because she knows for sure that she's boning Norman because <laughs> <laughs> she's doing it. But um, Marie is still like, hey, what, like I don't know what's going on, and we I don't want to rock the boat, you know, like um, like Laurie said last time. <laughs> but uh, but w- that's actually a really good metaphor. The car, she brings it in. She said like, there's a rattle. I don't know what's going on with it. I don't know what's wrong. And it's and, probably mm-hmm. just nothing. And it's probably mm-hmm. nothing. But there is something going on with mm-hmm. her marriage and there's there's this yeah. rattle and she doesn't know quite what it is but she's not taking it to any mechanic to get fixed. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good one, JJ. I'm going to pick up hey, on that. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Point, JJ. We got one this week. Jeez, everything else was like, ah! <laughs> so, um, now Peter, he says he wants to protect Letha, alright? So, um, the, the most important thing that he ends up doing is he, he learns from his cousin Destiny that that um, Chasseur's on his case, and she she wants to go after him and hunt him down, and she probably wants mm-hmm. to kill him, right? But obviously, we know that Chasseur's more conflicted. He goes over and visits her in her seedy little motel room, mm-hmm. and they have a pretty interesting conversation. And it was still, it seemed still kind of like ambiguous. What, what did you guys think of the conversation? It was very yeah, ambiguous it was, yeah. Because, because yeah. they talked, but they didn't talk, but then they talked a lot, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty much what it felt like to me is he could mean so many things by what he's saying. He mm-hmm. could be telling Chasser that, hey, I'm the Vargolf that you're hunting or the wolf that you're hunting, and I'm the one who's killing all these people, so you need to protect Letha. Or he could be telling her, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm the one who's killing anybody, mm-hmm. but you know, protect her anyway. Mm-hmm. And he could be saying that, hey, it's not me. I'm going to be running amok out there when I change tomorrow, but protect Letha anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we see yeah. Chasseur at, after Peter leaves, she's having this ang- like argument with God and she's mm-hmm. drinking and there's this whole thing about, I'm going to do yeah. this one last thing for you and then we're through. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's about Peter necessarily just finding this evil creature, whatever mm-hmm. this mission that she was sent out to, she's going to finish this and then she's done. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wants to leave Order of the Dragon. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she also was in that rant. She said something about, you know, I know the rules. You don't take them down till they turn and when they do, like, you show no mercy. And so that has me concerned about whatever plan Chasseur and Peter came up with. Either way, it's going to involve him turning so then, you know, does she... I don't know if they have a plan where they're going to go hunting for the Vargulf together, but he's going to be a wolf, so maybe he can track him. But then at the end of the day, if she's going to stick to her vows, like, as soon as they turn, you show no mercy. So even if you have a deal with one, you still need to do what you have to do. I kind of also took that as she's like, oh, you know, here you put him right on my doorstep. You know, mm-hmm. like, she could have taken him out like, right then, but she was like, no, the, you know, the code is you wait until they turn, but then you don't show any mercy. So I felt like she was, you know, following following the rules at that mm-hmm. point, but I, I still, I don't know, I just don't feel like she, 
I don't feel like when he turns that she's going to take him out because I still think she's ha- having that conflict and believes that he's, he's he's not the one that she's supposed to be hunting and that I think she's still going to be, I don't know, trying to figure <laughs> and, out what uh, it is she's yeah. after. And I, this is going back just a little bit, but it's still before when he, when Peter ends up going to Olivia's house to stay, Olivia told Olivia told Linda, Peter's mom, you know, maybe he should come stay with us for a while, you know, for protection. So if Peter stays in their house, will he not turn into a werewolf? I was confused about that, hmm. too. But then he chose to, because then he yeah. snuck out. But she said, you know, he should come hang out with us for a little bit because we don't want any more broken collarbones because mm-hmm. there's that story about how he came out and everything. Mm-hmm. So... I was like, with a full moon the next night? And she even made a comment to Peter, like, brought him in because things were getting too hairy. Yeah. So I I thought the same thing. Like, oh, so if he just stays there, then that stops him from turning? Like, does that stop it from turning? Is that Hmm. why if they're, like, who cares? You know, maybe in the house you're protected from that stuff. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm not really sure about that (laughs) right now. But you did mention that um, Peter had an unnatural birth, too. That because yeah. he during birth they had to break his collarbone just so he can Ooh, get out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, when and she told to that breathe. story. Yeah, but it because it, if you remember that if Roman is this emperor moth, it, he had to be cut free. Mm-hmm. He had he was born with a call. So both of them still do have similarities. They had mm-hmm. a natural um, childbirth, and but their mothers had to intervene to, intervene to help them live. And not only do Roman and Peter have similarities, but Olivia and Linda have a mm-hmm. lot in common, too. Yeah. Because they're single mothers taking care of two kids that are both creatures of some kind, and and they both have, like, no friends. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't even seem like, well, I guess Linda's got destiny to hang out with, but Olivia doesn't have anybody. No, no you're totally mm-hmm. right, because they said that line about, and I'm not going to quote it because I'll probably kill it, <laughs> but it's like, you know, when they're born, that you're, the mother is all that they have, but then as it gets older, they realize, no, for the, for the moms, that their boys are all they have. And Olivia also made an interesting line in the beginning about that she was the one to say when Roman would die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the, this is... to Roman. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. up to her. Yeah. It's her mm-hmm. decision. Yeah, she wants to, like, clutch him yeah. and keep him close. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. But I think my big epiphany of this whole episode was uh, was pretty much that there are no strong male figures in this whole series. Have you guys seen one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're all yeah. females. There's a lot mm-hmm. more female characters than men, and the men are, like, either incompetent or they have <laughs> a lot of flaws, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously... Yeah. Peter and Roman, they're both young guys. They mm-hmm. make a lot of mistakes, right? Sheriff Sworn, he tries to be a good father, but he's an incompetent police officer in most, yeah. in, not in most ways, but in some ways, like falling into the freaking ditch and stuff and getting all freaked out that he has like a bloodied body on him. It's like, dude, come on, man. Be a, be a sheriff. Be a cop. Be tough. Yeah. So right. The only guy with power is Price. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Even he's shady, too. Yeah. yeah. He has a story. Yeah. He, he has a lot of flaws. Um, he, he's very strong. Well, yeah. That's the only thing we know about <laughs> yeah. him. He's very strong. But he's an antagonist, so I'm kind of not counting him. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. talk- because everybody else yeah. in the story, they're all pretty much protagonists. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Price is the one who's behind the scenes. He seems like he's the one that's most clearly evil right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. else we kind of identify like, oh, okay, I can see their plight. Uh, they're trying to struggle for something better. Yeah. That's true. yeah. So speaking of 
Olivia. She's been nicer to everybody else. <laughs> what is up with this? Keep giving her drugs. Yeah. Give her drugs. I like it, sure. though. It's a nicer side. Yeah. yeah. Make sure her son's in a coma because, you know, it's all she's so, she's so wrapped up mm-hmm. in him that she's just, you know, maybe he does need friends around. And so I will be more open mm-hmm. to his friends. And, and I think that goes back to... Um, your sons being the only things that you have. Once Roman's kind of out of the picture, she, she doesn't know what to do with herself. Mm-hmm. And so that shows her vulnerability. The only thing yeah. that she does know how to do with herself is take drugs and have sex. Lots mm-hmm. <laughs> And I kind of had an awkward feeling when she was in the kitchen with with uh, Peter also. Did you guys feel that? Mm. I she did. Was, it's, oh, yeah. <sighs> but I had a more awkward feeling when she was talking to Roman in the beginning of the episode when he was um, in the bed still and she at some point was fixing his socks but I thought she was going to start undressing him or something. <laughs> it just... I mean, I know she was being a mother taking care of her son but at first when you're not sure which direction it yeah. was going to go, I got kind of weirded out. I, yeah, I think that was interesting how she sang this lullaby to Roman mm-hmm. and then we see this quick shot of Shelly. She can hear that. Yeah. makes me wonder if... Uh, Olivia had never sung a lullaby to Shelley, mm-hmm. only to Roman. Or if she had sung that same lullaby when Shelley was really messed up when she was a baby and she was recalling. Mm, that mm. could be it. Because mm. that's what I thought. That's what I wrote, <laughs> that's what I wrote down. <laughs> For the good. No, but she, um, she has been so nice and she even picked up Peter after he got his ass beat in yeah. school mm-hmm. which was I thought Peter would be able to fend himself off yeah. but I guess yeah. three guys against one human human werewolf well, <laughs> but human he tried form. to run on the bus like yeah. not like the bus was leaving at that moment yeah. <laughs> like they were still gonna follow you onto the bus <laughs> oh the bus was home base yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like safe, safe zone <laughs> that's awesome you would have thought that the bus driver would have done something about yeah. it right? Yeah. right instead of like kids <laughs> screaming no no then I mean I kind of felt like something's something powerful within Letha because all she said was to stop and people have been Mm -hmm. yelling stop for a while and then she came in and everyone was like whoa whoa I'm sorry and they she barely away. bumped them too, yeah. and then they like totally they totally off. freaked out and backed away. So like, I wasn't what sure. The, what the hell? Like, because she's just pregnant, you know that. Yeah. You know, yeah. that she's a mother. She's in her trying to intervene now yeah. and just stopping a fight. Do like, oh, a girl's in the picture. Don't hit Hold her baby, that. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the most stereotypical high school kid impersonation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in a California high school. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Um, But I liked how when Olivia went to Linda's and Peter's trailer, uh, there was this quick little moment when she closes the door. Olivia just like looks at her hand in disgust. She's like, ugh. (laughs) She did it. So in character. These little details. I love it. She did it um, when Linda passed her the joint, too. She kind of looked at it and was like, um, <laughs> can I smoke this without putting my mouth on it? <laughs> it's like your mouth, her mouth is on it. Your mouth's yeah. gonna get on it. You're gonna get yeah. her germs, Olivia. Sorry. You like putting drugs in your eye, but you don't want to be touching yeah. anybody else's germs. Come on. I guess the drugs are sterile. That's true. <laughs> but I think I, I find it uh, kind of funny how. Linda just gives this joint to Peter, and she's like, "You know what you do. You, you know yeah. what to do with this." And then, so like, just shows the parental aspects of these parents that Linda's willing to, you know, give marijuana to Peter, and then Norman's giving alcohol to yeah. Peter again. Mm-hmm. So just like, how much are these parents really, you know, being guidance in these yeah. kids' lives? 
Yeah, and uh, I, before we go to news and gossip in just a minute, I wanted to uh, talk about Christina. We hadn't yeah. seen her for a couple episodes, mm-hmm. and she her hair is so really white. It is really getting there now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and and not only that, but she is still really stressed out, and she must be drugged. But she's still having visions, mm-hmm. and she saw Francis at her bed. That's mm-hmm. yeah. That's creepy in itself. You're going to lose your soul. Yeah. yeah. Well. That was pretty freaky stuff. Foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> lose her soul and become a what? Yeah. Marissa? And no? I, I what? wonder... What? What? I she's wonder she's going to do work for the devil, and then she becomes the gray wolf and fights Peter. Oh my gosh, it's like Gandalf the White. Because <laughs> <laughs> her hair is turning white, yeah. so... <laughs> well, we are a bunch of nerds in here. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, we really are. Just made a Lord of the Rings reference. Yeah. Yes. Score. <laughs> Let's move on to our news and gossip. Uh, oh. After Is it? Oh, oh, oh I just want to, like, uh, one more thing. The, the Going back, sorry. The password on um, Norman's phone was, like, 5913. I was trying to figure out the significance, significance of that, and the only thing I could find was, like, receptor-associated protein of the synapses, like some gene. Which actually equals out to Homo sapiens human, so maybe Norman's just a regular human. So there's something going on there. Interesting. After Buzz yeah. TV News. <laughs> 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 Kablamo! Here's the second time. <laughs> Boom! Okay. I'm awake. I'm awake. Thank you, thank you Stephen. Wow. <laughs> yes. Go okay. into the deck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I got a couple of things for news and gossip stuff. Uh, I was checking out Nicole Boyvin's uh, Instagram, and you guys can follow her at Nicole Boyvin. Boyvin is spelled... B-O-I-V-I-N 13 on Instagram and apparently she has kind of the same taste and stuff that I like because she uh, posted a pic on Instagram about uh, well I don't like yogurt too much but she put (laughs) lots of fresh strawberries on top of that yogurt and it looks freaking tasty (laughs) so if you guys want to check that out you can (laughs) I was also looking at tweets from Emily Pigford who plays Ashley Valentine uh, which was the girl that Roman ended up raping. Oh, mm. I had a quick comment about her tonight, too. Again, with the, like, she's in high school. Her thing was way down to cleavage all over. She's the girl that answers the door yeah. with no pants on. Yeah. Yeah. She needs to cover up. Oh. <laughs> I, I just had to throw it out there. <laughs> I thought, you know what? That's funny that you mentioned that because there, everybody, the teacher was giving crap to Peter about petting with Letha in, yeah. or, in, yeah. the, in the hallway, yet she doesn't say anything about Emily or Ashley having... tatas out. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I thought it was cool that she did not. She did not remember. She really got yeah. compelled into not yeah. remembering. She about thought Roman. she was the bad person in yeah. the scenario. Yeah. So she, that. so on her <laughs> tweets, uh, Emily Pigford at Emily Pigford tweeted. Uh, she tweeted at a fan at Grass seventeen seventy six. Just seen the first ep, comma, but digging so far. Can't wait to watch the rest. Hashtag Arrested Development. So oh. she is down for watching Arrested Development on Netflix, which is pretty awesome. And that you know segues into a Netflix-related thing, which is Arrested Development just had mm-hmm. its 15 episodes um, up for streaming on Netflix Instant, Instant Watch as of Sunday. And mm-hmm. I've been watching it. I'm up to episode four now, and it's pretty funny. I had never watched it before. Mm-hmm. I watched the pilot and I think another episode, maybe from season three, beforehand mm-hmm. so i kind of get like a lot of the jokes now because i watched this before <laughs> these but it's pretty funny and uh, I, i'm enjoying it 
uh, and another thing going off of Netflix, I read this article, and forgive me, I don't really remember exactly who sourced it, but they said that Netflix is planning on doubling their content, original content, for next year. So hopefully we'll see mm-hmm. Hemlock Grove Season 2 as part of that content. And before you watch Season 2, I don't know if anyone else knew about this, but I did not know there was a graphic novel that's the prequel to Hemlock Grove, and it was written by Brian McGreevy as a companion to prep people for watching the series. So you get more of a background on all the characters, and it's available. It's free online. I found it at tor.com. That's T-O-R.com. And if you just type in prequel Hemlock Grove, um, the article comes up. And it's kind of funny because, oh, it's definitely not safe for work because just like the show isn't safe for work, (laughs) the graphic novel is not safe for work. But um, hashtag speaking NSFW. From, yeah. 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 yeah, speaking from experience of being at a family barbecue last night and trying to watch this episode of Hemlock Grove. Long story short, cousins came in right when um, Destiny and Chester got together. <laughs> that was awkward. So don't get caught like me and make sure you're watching it not around kids. Kenneth Teal Horn has an amazing body though. Yeah, any deal? Mm-hmm. It was. All right. Yeah. All right. I think that's about does it for our news and gossip. Let's move into our predictions. And now, your AfterBuzz TV predictions. 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 Extra predictions. Predictions. Um. Yes, I have four predictions. Uh... I feel like Roman will finally yeah, wake up mine. from his coma. I miss him. Yeah. I do too. Dude, he... He's only gone for one episode. I, no, he was gone for two episodes. Like but, well, an episode and a half. Well, yeah, because yeah, he was like there. Under, yeah. He was under this time the whole time, so yeah. he was just there as like a prop, pretty much. I also feel that Peter and him are going to make up, and that Chasseur will protect Letha, but won't kill Peter next time. Hmm. Lastly, I feel like Peter will get into a fight with the Vargolf. How cool would that be? Hmm. Mm. Well, I can't predict anything, but there was the scene with Christina and Norman when they're walking outside the Institute. I don't know if you saw it. On the left side of the screen, we saw these, like, dead plants. It makes me wonder if they were, like, failed experiments on plantation, because we know that Price has experience on this that flower and whatnot. Maybe there are more plants and experience that we don't know of that have failed at the mm. Institute. Mm. Okay. Just another little thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that one all week. How do I, how do I follow that <laughs> <Yeah>. one? <laughs> um, what do you guys got? I also think that Roman will wake up next episode. I think it's time. Um, I want to see more about Shelly. We got a little bit of her this episode, you know, with I can never remember the girl from the gift shop's name. Um, Jenny. Jenny comes over and, you know, just kind of be like, hey, do you need a hug? Because, you know, <laughs> I know how close you are with your brother. Um, so I'd like to, I predict that Shelly, after Roman wakes up, maybe she'll make some new friends outside of just her brother and Peter and Letha. Okay. <laughs> I agree with you guys again on the, um, the, that Roman's going to wake up and him and T- Peter are going to team up and get back, which I'm looking forward to because I, I miss their banter. I like mm-hmm. their interactions. Um, and I think the only one I have right now is the one I kind of said already where I think that Christina's going to turn into a uh, uh, gray wolf eventually and that mm-hmm. she is going to fight with Peter. 
Fascinating. I wonder how, if she is going to turn into some kind of creature, I wonder how she got like that in the first place. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that about does it for us <laughs> here at AfterBuzz TV. Steven, thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that that's about it for our podcast this week. We wanted to thank uh, David Strayton once again for joining us on our podcast. Such a great interview, good insight into the director's perspective. And by the way, guys, don't forget you, that's right, you, our viewers at home, our after buzzers, please download our Adventures of Serial Buddies movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, it's on iTunes. Pre-order it. It's going to come out tomorrow, May 29th. Uh, if you guys want to follow any of us or tweet your predictions at us, you can tweet at me at Sean Austin O on Twitter or Instagram. And I just got to say that we will have Penelope Mitchell in studio next week. She plays Letha Godfrey, so we're going to have that awesome interview next week. You can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TweetT22. And I am at JJ Jurgens. Thanks so much, guys. We'll buzz with you next week. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.